Hey, it's Desi, Christo, and Alec. Before we continue with this episode, I just want to talk about our sponsor for this episode, Anchor. If you haven't heard of them, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Do you think you need a full thousand dollars setup just to make a podcast? No way. You can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and you can distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Best of all, Anchor is 100% free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you for listening, and now let's get back to the rest of the episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Storytime with Desi. Now, I am going to make this intro very short today because we don't have any real big announcements that we have coming up. And yeah, that's it really. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, There's nothing much I really have to say other than um, just thank you to my amazing crew for the hard work you guys are putting in for the holiday season and for even helping me during the holiday season. I really owe a lot to you guys as you have helped me out through so much during this year. And I just want to say a huge thank you to all of you who are working with me to help create this podcast and this story. And yeah, I hope all of you have a wonderful holiday season. And my gift to you right now is Chapter 5 of Metal Plague. Now, let's get into it. Chapter 5 Minor Haven Nightfall had engulfed the small town of Helston as the darkness consumed the filthy, collapsing homes of the unfortunate people who called this rotting pit home. The night was silent, just the gentle autumn breeze with the sounds of owls echoed through the corridor where I reside. No one else was awake except for me and Gil. Gil was leaning against the post that held out the mattress above him where another child slept. While his head bobbed from him trying to fight his drowsiness, I was sitting up in my bed with my back against the cold stony wall, doing nothing but staring down at my journal, waiting for the impending doom. While sitting in the darkness of our desolate room, I followed the moonlight that flowed from our window to Gilbert. I'm sorry, I whisper, as I recall what had transpired earlier in the evening when the headmistress herself told me that Gilbert and I were to be taken somewhere else to help a rising revolution. Idiot, I told myself as I blamed myself for dragging Gil into this mess as well. As I sat in my bed, there was nothing I could do to comfort this situation as we waited like lambs to be sent for harvest. After waiting for what seemed like an eternity, the creaking of our wooden door could be heard as the mistress peeks our head through the crack. Time to go, she mutters as I fetched Gil and were escorted down the courtyard. We followed the mistress to the giant wooden door that's hidden within the orphanage. Opening it with a small golden key, nothing but a hazy mist can be seen. As the mist clears, 
we see a curved wooden wagon with a cloth hood covering the top of it. Stepping outside, Gail and I are greeted by the dropping temperatures from the breeze that blows against our faces. Wrapping our arms against our bodies, we try to preserve as much heat as possible until we are gestured to climb aboard the wagon. So doing as told, Gail and I pull ourselves onto the wagon, and after settling in, dark figures are lined all around us. Squinting my eyes to see with the very little light that I have from being inside the wagon, I make out children, and their hands are tied in front of them, and appear to have bags over their heads. My heart pounds with the scene that's displayed before me, but soon a bigger figure boards the wagon and binds our hands together with some harbor rope, barely leaving some wiggle room for my hands to move freely. Then our line of sight is covered with cloth bags as well. Before we know it, we've already left the orphanage as the hooves of horses can be heard on the hard and solid ground. As I feel the wagon rock from the movement of the horses in the stony brick road, my eyesight darkens as I can no longer see the speckles of light through my cloth bag. And I just let my mind drift with the many thoughts that now circle through my mind. For what seemed like hours of being left in darkness, my mind then drifts to the memories that happened long ago, but still haunt me to this waking moment. Displayed in my mind is that horrid night. My mother was laying on the ground, pale with a red liquid surrounding her still and cold body. I remember the bitter tears that ran down my face that night the horror that I had witnessed that had me paralyzed in place. I was barely even able to keep myself from wailing my heart out and rushing to my mother's now lifeless body. But what terrified me more is when I looked up to the man who took her away from me. His piercing bloodshot eyes were staring straight at me through the cracked door I was hiding behind. It was then I was sure that my life would end. But before the memory could progress any further, I jolted up in my seat due to the noise of clanging metal against rock. The sound came in great magnitudes, which was enough to pull me out of my horrid dream. Jolting up and out of my deep slumber, I thrashed my head about trying to see with the very little light that is peeking through the cloth bag upon my head. Hugo! Hugo! Are you there? I heard Gilbert whisper shout along with the whispers of the many other children around us. Yeah, I'm here, Gil. I'm here. I replied back as I tried to face the direction that his voice came from, but it proved difficult as the growing sounds from outside started to ring louder in my ears. Where are we, Hugo? And what's that sound outside? Yes, I turned my head to the direction that I speculated where Gilbert is sitting. I, I don't know, Gil. 
I don't know. I reply, keeping my voice steady as my heart pounds inside my chest. My rushing adrenaline takes its hold on my body as it becomes progressively harder to hide my heavy breath. But the many thoughts begin to spiral in my mind. The wagon stops and the whispers of the other children silence as footsteps can be heard approaching the wagon. Gil, be close. Got it. I whisper over to Gil as rays of light shine through the back of the wagon. And slowly, one by one, I heard children exit the wagon, and a deep male voice can be heard as they exit the wagon. And soon, I felt rough and strong hands grip my shoulders. They moved me to the end of the wagon. There, someone else grabbed me and placed me on the ground. The earth beneath me seemed to be uneven. Tiny rocks can be felt as we were shepherded away from the wagon. The shouts and voices of children are now intensifying as we bump against one another. After walking away a few meters, the bags have pulled off of our heads. I groan as my eyes are blinded by the dim sunlight that looms over us. Rapidly, I turn my head around until I find Gilbert. He's a bit of a distance away from me, but his eyes appear to be wide with fear and horror as his jaw drops. Looking at him with confusion, I trail his eyesight to where he's staring. Then my own eyes begin to widen. I begin to look up as a spiral is surrounding all of us and nothing but stone and rock could be seen. We've been sent to mine. That's why there's seven orphans. To put us to work in a mine. I thought to myself as I tried to take in my surroundings and the figures of children banging metals against the rock that lines the spiral that we stand in. As my eyes take in the scenery around me, I'm interrupted by the voice of a girl. Everyone, eyes on me! She shouts, and looking over, I see a young girl, not much older than Gilbert and I. And she has her frizzy black hair tied up in a ponytail. Straightening my back to get a better view, I see the heads of other orphans turn to face her. Greetings, fellow orphans. My name is Nova. I'm your new family along with the rest of the children that are here in Footsie. She gestures to the figures on the ledges of the spiral as they continue to work. You've been chosen to join our wonderful family and you'll be provided with food, shelter, and everything else you've ever wanted. She exclaimed, earning a few whoops and gasps from the children in front of her. However, in return for the kindness for the man that gave you this wonderful opportunity, you must work for him in return to create a better future for all of England. She shouted. And then the men surrounding us began to move into the direction of the higher up ledges of the spiral. We're handed pickaxes and are led to the leading dirt road to a higher point in the spiral. Looking back to where we were, I searched for the girl that was there but she seemed to have vanished. 
After walking for a bit, I'm assigned to a ledge in the middle ground of the spiral. While Gil is stationed next to me, gazing at me, I could see the fear that hides behind Gilbert's eyes. We just stand there looking at each other until a whip can be heard and Gil and I are forced to face the rock in front of us. Looking at the rock, I pick up my pickaxe and begin to hack away at the solid stone. I'm sure what I'm looking for. As the sun moved on above us and the night sky began to appear above the spiral, I could feel my arms ready to fall off. When I was about to collapse from exhaustion from the day's work, a horn can be heard from the echoing of the spiral, and the children around us dropped their tools to the ground and sat on the stony ground. Gerber and I mirrored our actions. Leaning against the rocky wall, I pressed my back against it and turned my head to the sky. Then a mule pulled wagon passes by, providing a lantern, a blanket, and a bowl of some type of potato stew. Without hesitation, I take to the stew and nearly gulp half of it when go. After finishing about half, I breathe a sigh of satisfaction, pin my head against the wall, and turn my gaze to the stars above. Don't worry, kid. If you do as you're told, it'll only get better from here. I hear a voice say to me. I look over to my right, and it's the girl from before. She has her hands behind her head, and is leaning her back against the rocky wall. After looking at her for a minute, I turn my gaze over to Gil. He's already fast asleep with his empty bowl next to him. Slowly, I turn to the stars once again and just stay there for what seemed like hours. Let's hope so. Alright, and that was the end of Metal Plague Chapter 5. I hope all y'all enjoyed. I am really grateful to the team that is helping me put this story together and for just their um and for all their hard work they have put into this story as much as I have and for just even helping me out in the first place. This truly is an honor to be doing this with you guys and it has been an amazing year and I hope we can continue this in far more years to come. I just want to say thank you to my amazing crew and have a wonderful holiday season. Before we sign off, I also just want to give a reminder to those listeners that really do love our stories or at least like them and want to find a way to help support the podcast. There are two ways you can currently help the podcast. One is by going to the link for listener support, which, which is in the description of this episode, and you can give a monthly donation to help out the podcast. And then the second option for helping support the podcast is Patreon, where you don't just help support us, but you can also get benefits as well, such as shadows at the end of episodes, bloopers, and even early access to future episodes. And yeah, I think that's it. Alright, now we sign off. <laughs> and uh, just have a wonderful season to all of you, and I hope to see you all next year. Yeah, I will see all of you next year. I'm your host, Desi, and 
this is story time with desi bye